You're listening to an irreverent podcast. For more unholy content from our friends, head to irreverent.fm. Hi, friends. Welcome to the Speaking in Church podcast. I'm Josie here alone again. That's okay. Spencer's being a mom. Um, Somebody has to procreate. Humanity should survive, I guess. So that's up to her. But today we are joined by our new friend, Kenzie. Kenzie is a student at Arizona State University, and she's going to continue this introduction because she said some cool stuff that I am um, not going to be able to do justice. So Kenzie, tell us a little bit about yourself yeah so i am a full-time student at arizona state um i am working on my final semester of counseling and applied psychological sciences which is just a fancy name for counseling psychology (laughs) it really is not that it's really not that elaborate like it's not that hard but um from there i'm getting my master's in forensic psychology and i want to go into investigative journalism and focus on systems of abuse and helping victims and survivors alike within that system and one thing i can't help but notice it should also be noted that i am a queer christian activist at asu so the christian ministries and the lgbt uh, groups know me both and um i'm very much so a liaison between the middle of them um but one thing i can't help but notice is like as i'm studying how the cycles of abuse happen how much the church (laughs) exemplifies those issues Mm. Mm. so like that is my point of passion is calling that out when i see it yes um we're all about that obviously (laughs) we i'm so excited to have this conversation because i feel like a lot of us have like language that we learn from our therapists or from the internet or whatever but it's nice to have somebody who actually knows what they're talking about you know what i'm saying so tell us about your experience in the church and uh, like how you got to study this like what is the whole background well hold on to your dick <laughs> so i grew up going to um a general non-denominational church um i'm 25 i've been going to church since i was in the womb like that kind of deal um so like i grew up listening to sermons and everything like that and like i realized like halfway, like when I was in my teens that like a lot of the things that they said don't really like line up with my way of thinking. So like, for example, like, I mean, I realized I was queer and in the evangelical church I was in, it was definitely not allowed. Um, I go to a Disciples of Christ church now, and we are very much so social justice oriented. We're open and firming. We're pro-sex work. We're, you know, pro Black Lives Matter, pro, we are pro choice, which is also fun as a church. Um, You know, so it's definitely very different. But the thing I remember hearing so much, I mean, obviously, we've talked about like purity culture on this podcast before. But one thing that is not emphasized is one of the things that creates things like purity culture and like the way of almost dictatorship at times with what pastors say is the language we use and the way we use it to teach people about Christianity and things like purity culture and cycles of abuse are a result of this language that I grew up hearing. So, you know, you think about scripture that says like, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding Well, that's very convoluted into a way of looking at like, well, don't trust yourself on things, only like trust the Lord. And if a preacher is a liaison for the Lord, well, then you have to trust what they say. And like, as I'm studying counseling psychology, which one of the biggest emphasis on my program is we work on social justice, inequity, socioeconomic status, racial status. All these things are things that we need to look at as future psychologists in order to 
make change. And one of the biggest changes within it is language. And I think language, actions are a product of language. And so when I'm studying, like I'm taking a specific course on studying how to help victims of trauma this semester. And so we're studying like the cycles of abuse and everything like that and abuse of power and power dynamics. And I can't help but think like, I look at this rhetoric, like lessons I'm learning and I can't help but see the rhetoric I see in the church that I grew up going to in it. And it's not addressed, you know, like people want to sweep it underneath the rug, which in turn continues cycles of abuse if we don't want to address it. And one of the biggest issues is churches don't want to acknowledge the problem because they don't want to acknowledge their complacency Mm -hmm. or their ignorance upon Mm -hmm. such topics. Yeah. Oh my gosh. You're preaching. You're preaching (laughs) to me. I, oh, mm, mm, yes. As a um, therapy junkie. I love it. I um, my parents always make fun of me because like, oh, you and your therapy, and I was like, bitch, <laughs> right? But I you think should... it is important. What? Oh, I was just thinking you should see me at parties as the counseling psychology student, and oh, like, yeah. there'll be a conversation. I'm like, well, this is because of this problem, and people mm. are like looking at me, and I have like the dartboard, you know, with all the like yarn crossed over <laughs> mm-hmm. points, and like people are like five feet back. I know my uh, my partner and I were very. We started couples therapy as soon as we got married. Before that, something like that. We've been at the couples therapy for a long time, because Good. I believe in therapy. And I was like, absolutely. I don't do no premarital counseling. I don't need no unlicensed bullshit. I need. I have a lot of trauma. You have a lot of trauma. So let's get this shit figured out. Yeah. And a lot of it, when we fight, it's very like. <laughs> therapy is but like with a little bit of aggression it's like <laughs> when you do this you are very much activating my trauma right now <laughs> yes <laughs> like i can't speak for you but yeah. <laughs> but yeah exactly <laughs> oh my gosh what are um uh do you have like specific examples like with specific things that you can give us like because i know we have all these big picture things but a lot of us need like really concrete examples Yeah. So, um, like I think about in particular with power dynamics, because that's like, when I say I want to go after the sources of power, like the thing is, is so many people like victim advocates, they do great work and I'm not diminishing that at all. But like one thing about my personality is I'm going after the system of oppression. Like that is what I want to question and challenge. I don't like to, you know, I think helping victims and survivors is very important, but like for me personally, like that's not where my personality stands, you know, it's questioning and going against what, we were told. And so, for example, like within the church, like I think about, for example, that verse, you know, trust the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. And like, I can look at that and be like, I can find peace within that. You know what I mean? Like you can find peace and like, okay, trust the Lord with this. But then people take it out of context. And as a specific example, like if I go lean not on my own understanding, you know, then that means I can't trust myself. I can't be like, this feels wrong, you know, in a particular situation. I can't speak out against mistreatment when I see it. And as a queer person in churches, you know, that is something I suffer from quite a bit. My friends who are trans suffer from quite a bit. Like I think about, for example, something I heard a couple of months ago, which frankly, I ripped this dude to shreds because I was like, we're not here about this, but he basically justified like a disproportionate of trans people, you know, committing suicide because of their sin and their separation from God. And I, I looked at him and I was like, so it may be because of sin that they're separated from God, but it's not their sin. It's your sin. Amen. You will push them back. You will push them away. You put this wedge in there, you know? And the thing is, is the church loves to put wedges in things. They love to be like, well, we need to be doing this, you know? And like, 
or like we need to call people out for their sins or whatever and somehow it always ends up being like the same three things like oh addiction to pornography is one like people bring that up all the time like you know or um you know it's not ever you know what addiction to power addiction to money addiction to all the things that the church is actually fucking responsible for oh my god yeah right like you're responsible for so many things and the thing that gets me too is they have a lot of these big churches have so much resource and yet they are doing nothing with it to help the marginalized people that they preach against like oh you have an issue of pornography okay help the sex workers that are in it make it where they can go into society without being judged how about that you know yeah and i think about how people are like well jesus said to that woman go and sin no more you know and the thing that they don't realize is that woman could go up to jesus every single day doing the same exact thing and he would go neither do i could condemn you go and sin no more it would happen Mm -hmm. again and again and again Mm -hmm. because jesus did not believe putting that wedge in between him and that woman you know yeah i think a lot about (sighs) (laughs) i think a lot about how psychology can save us all Oh um, yeah, especially today we're recording this on a day where the whole Ukraine thing is happening. Friends. God bless. God. And I think like God, if this man just got into a little bit of fucking therapy, maybe he wouldn't need to go get his dick all hard by bombing other countries. And yeah, and that's also psychology in the church. Those are like two things that like, and I'm mentioning the church as like a capital C. Yeah, like, of course, big church, which yeah. people are like. Well, not all Christians. The thing is, is the church is made up of people. And until all Christians realize the complacency of the church, maybe not their individual complacency, but the church as a whole, we cannot evolve within it and change it. And I will say that stereotypes exist for a reason. I mean, I'm going to say that as a little brown girl, very openly. The reason why people are like, oh, Latinas are so like aggressive and spicy. It's like, well, because a lot of us are like i don't know it's a cultural thing yeah just yeah. like the church is toxic because a lot of them are yeah well and then again it comes back to language what is one of the biggest things evangelical you know protestant non-denominational linguistics lay on from the time that you're little is that you were born sinner you are born bad And without God, you are nothing. And that is completely against what psychology talks about. Yeah. And in fact, the systems of abuse talk about how that is emotional abuse to teach someone that. Like if I had a friend whose boyfriend said, you are nothing without me, like maybe it's just me, but like I would go and punch the dude in the throat and I'd be like, no, we don't do that yet. Somehow the church is allowed to continue this rhetoric Mm -hmm. where not only are we brought up to believe, but we have to believe it almost. And going against it is like being like going against God. And in reality, it's like, for me personally, like I am very much so like a Christian still like i follow christ i vibe with christ because christ is actually a pretty cool dude like ultimately um but the thing is is like i look at that and i go you know maybe jesus came because he loved people like he saw us as someone worth being around you know so this idea of like oh i'm a worm without god without jesus i'm nothing like i'm useless and we're all broken and everything like that it's like a lot of that brokenness comes from the rhetoric that you spew out to people especially children like imagine telling a five-year-old like i remember being 12 years old sitting in junior high service and my minute and my preacher goes When you were born, God looked at you and went, boom, sinner. And like, 
the thing is, is like how, and the thing is, is at the time I agreed with him because I'm 12 years old. I don't know that much, you know? Um, and it's that rhetoric that is so dangerous. And there's a reason people are having a hard time finding self-worth in the church and find it hard to trust therapists is because of the rhetoric that we are not worthy of help. Yeah, which is the antithesis to what we were supposed to feel, right? Like, we're supposed to feel like we're whole within ourselves with, like, the help of God. We're supposed to feel like God betters us, not that we are inherently bad or evil Mm -hmm. or not worth the air we breathe. It's just, you know, your life would be a whole lot better with the Lord in it. Kind of like psychology, like, you're not fucked up, you're not beyond fixing, you're not, like, a waste of space, you just need a little help, and here's some tools to help you out. Yeah. Which is, which should be what we learn in church, right? Like, at least, I don't know. Yeah, I, I mean, I agree with you. I think, like, this whole idea of, like, we're not worthy without God, and it's like, God showed us that we are inherently worthy otherwise why would he send if you believe in the crucifixion why would he send his son to die on the cross if we were not worthy of that yeah exactly and like the very message of jesus is speaking out to those who weren't deemed worthy in society and showing society yes these people are worthy like i think about like the whole idea of sex drugs rock and roll and i'm like with jesus it's sex workers drag queens and revolutionaries like man that's who jesus was vibing with like i you know and this idea that like so much of christianity does not mirror the christ that they claim to follow yeah and i just it amazes me that like where's the language where did the language go wrong Mm -hmm. where did it go wrong and how can we change that language you know because ultimately until we change the rhetoric that we are teaching we can't really move forward yeah and i think the language probably went wrong when we allowed a group of white men to canonize the bible to their own political and personal gain well and like i tell people that i question the infallibility of the bible and people are like why would you do that that's sacrilegious oh no what's wrong with you and it's like the thing is is the bible was created to by the people who had the power to put it together it was not put together by the people who had no power right and the thing is is the people who had no power are exactly who followed jesus Mm -hmm. you know and like this idea that like somehow people which one of my favorite arguments about jesus being anti-lgbt is like jesus didn't know any queer people i guarantee you there are queer people in jerusalem also like when he fed the five thousand, which if we believe that story like you know evangelical christians i'm talking to you if we believe that story there was no precursor to being fed Jesus, right. Jesus just fucking fed them. Yep. Like <laughs> Jesus was like, "You're hungry? Here, have a fish. Have some bread." Mm-hmm. Like, you know, it wasn't like, "Oh, are you a drug addict? Are you a sex worker? Are you gay? Are you transgender?" Like, what? Like, I can't have those people. Like, no, that's. I'm guarantee you, Jesus fed those people first. Yeah, and I mean the perfect example of how language was weaponized is before 1946, the word homosexual was not in the Bible. It mm-hmm. is not a great translation of the passage, and it was added in there by white men who decided mm-hmm. that it was, you know, part of their agenda that to hate gay people. Yeah, absolutely, and I think that's just so sad you know because i think the thing that church wants more than anything is power Mm. you know and hold power against people and like that's why the narration of hell is so powerful you know Mm -hmm. like this idea of if you don't believe these exact narrow things you're gonna burn in hell for eternity like that's frankly terrifying yeah and what kind of faith is that a faith of fear a faith of i don't want to go to hell yeah exactly like i don't believe in hell like i don't either (laughs) you know like i don't think hell exists i think there's an afterlife but i don't think there's a hell because hell is like the antithesis of what jesus was you know 
and this idea that we have to follow specifically Jesus in this exact way, when in reality, what Jesus like expanded upon, like the fact is, is he had sex workers who worked with him, you know, and like, it was the compassion that he was like, this is why you are with me is this compassion you show that is who I am. So by showing that compassion, you show Christ. Oh, you, you aren't. Oh, sorry. Um, I have too many mute buttons, but you as a professional, you as somebody um, who is, well, yeah, perfect. I'll, I'll call you a professional. I don't care. Yeah, sure. <laughs> I have big kid pants on today. I'll be a professional. <laughs> what do you think are some of the solutions? I mean, Spencer's into the redemption of the evangelical church. Um, I'm more of a burn it all down type of bitch, but I mean, you know, <laughs> It depends on the day yeah. and the mood and like what yeah. I hear. But let's say today is a redemption. Uh, what do you think are some of the things that the evangelical church can do from a psychological perspective to redeem themselves, to better themselves, to better their service to the community? I mean, I think one of the biggest things is like, obviously, you know, changing the language, especially what we teach children. Um, because a lot of children are indoctrinated from the time that they're little, that sinners go to hell, you know? Yeah. And I think one of the biggest things that is missing from a lot of Christians in general, and this comes from people in power is self-love. And I think the self-love, because, you know, again, the whole, like, I'm a worm, I'm nothing without Jesus. Jesus is why I love myself. No, 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 no. That's not how self-love works. That's exactly how, if you look at, like, cycles of abuse, Mm -hmm. that is a way of gaslighting yourself. Because it's the very same, again, like, I wish people could see it as, like, okay, if your friend says, like, well, I love myself because my boyfriend loves my loves me. It's like, eh, would you stop and be like, okay, that that's valid? No, you wouldn't. So, like, I think the thing that is missing from the narrative is this idea of inherent worth that we all have. Yeah. Which, ironically enough, pro life people are the first to jump on the wagon to be like, we're all sinners, we all deserve hell. Mm. Yet the second I'm like, okay, so why don't we teach about self-worth if you're so into being pro-life? Because if all life has worth, then all life is worth saving, right? Yeah, okay. So why can't we have self-worth? Right. And I mean, arguably self-worth would also not put women in a position where they feel like they have to put their bodies on the line for a man who's not safe, who is not supportive. Like, (laughs) you know, I mean, which is not the only reason why people have abortions, but it seems to be like the reason that they think is the only reason. So yeah. shouldn't that be part of it? Yeah. Or like another thing too, is I think in particular, pastors should welcome questions. Amen. Oh, amen. <laughs> and like, like my church's motto, which by the way, it's a little bitty church here in Gilbert, Arizona. Mm. And it is the only open and affirming church here in Gilbert. Yes. We only have one and we probably have like uh, over a hundred churches here in Gilbert. And we only have one that's open and affirming. But the motto there is where the questions are as important as the answers. Amen. And the thing is, is like, there's hundreds of different interpretations and i think you know like when a pastor goes the bible is clear it says this and i'm like no your interpretation says it's clear that says this Mm -hmm. you know and we should be able to question why we believe the things we do you know and like pastors should open those conversations up it shouldn't just be one answer one size fits all yeah yeah i mean our church i like to tell people i go to an affirming church in orange county and i don't know if there's any other ones in orange county. i'm sure there are but not enough i mean we have probably thousands and thousands of church in the whole county so it just boggles my mind because like <laughs> like for example like i've helped at pride before here mm-hmm. in phoenix like phoenix pride is big and like my church has held a booth there inviting people mm-hmm and like i see the other christian well here's the thing is they are christian people can go they're not christian no they are christian they are what christianity stands for until Mm. you hold that accountability to them we cannot 
you know, change what Christianity is. And, you know, we have awesome Steven Anderson, which Mm -hmm. I don't know if you know anything about him. Mm -mm. He is an infamous Holocaust denier, like (sighs) God hates fags. He believes every single queer person is a pedophile. Oh my God. And give me his number. I'll call him right now. (laughs) He's a gem. Um, you know, yeah. So, like one of the penned sermons he had on his uh, Facebook page, which is faithful word, uh, Baptist church, if anyone's interested, um, is why to hate the homos. So, you know, <laughs> you have to understand. Since when that. is hate supposed to be part of your language as a believer in God? Like, you know, the only time that Jesus hated things, Jesus hated things, not people. Mm-hmm. Jesus hated oppression. Jesus called that shit out. Mm-hmm. And like, the thing is, is people don't realize that. Like, when I talk about how I hate something, it's because I hate the injustice of it. Just right. And like, there is righteous anger there, you know, but like Steven Anderson and his cronies will be across the way holding signs saying burn in hell, you know, stuff like that. And like, we're in there saying, God, like, wants you here with us, you know, like, well, we stand with you, you know, and it's not the whole, we love you, but we still see you as a, you know, sinner. Like, it's still a sin. We don't affirm that. Like, mm-hmm. you know, I had a conversation with one pastor. This was, I believe, six months ago or some odd thing. But anyways, I learned at that church I could not lead because I'm openly queer. And I wanted to be in high school or junior high leader, which here's the thing is as a counseling psychology student, I would be perfect for that. Like exactly. I, have, I have the rhetoric, like I've taken group counseling courses. I've taken adolescent group counseling courses. I would be perfect for that. Like I'm the type of person you need as a leader. And yet they're like, because you're open, like queer, you cannot lead. And so I was talking to the pastor about that. And of course he quotes Paul and all that stuff. And I said, you know, for someone who hates homosexuality so much, you sure like to ride Paul's dick. like you know so so, like the thing is but i also know which side of the fence jesus would be on jesus would be in the pride festival with us you know and so like i don't understand why there's like just so much like they say it's righteous hatred and it's not it's hatred of people that they have and it's hatred of themselves which is the narrative that they teach and i think until we get rid of the narrative of hating yourself we cannot promote social justice we cannot promote social change we cannot promote for you know marginalized people to get the rights that they deserve because there's so much hatred for yourself right jesus did not say love your God and love yourself as you love your neighbor. He said, love your God and love your neighbor as you love yourself, implying that you kind of got to like yourself. You got to love yourself. Otherwise, how the hell are you going to love your neighbors? And these churches are the prime example of that. Yeah. Do not know how to love themselves or their neighbor because they do not love themselves yeah and like i look at these foundations that they build themselves upon you know of like this fear of certain groups this hatred of others this absolute you know militant idea of like if you don't believe exactly what i say you're going to hell mm. and i'm like you know jesus never forced people to believe doctrine mm. they're like believe in me and here's what I do. And like, I think about when Jesus healed the blind man and he said, tell no one who did this for you. Mm. And he was showing how you care for your neighbor. You don't boast about it. You roll up your sleeves and you do what needs to be done. And yet we have churches around here, you know, that are building their fucking pews out of the tables. Jesus flipped. Yep. Yeah. I mean, like, I actually just preached a sermon about this because I'm a preacher now (laughs) about love your neighbor, the whole verse. Mm -hmm. And this idea of like, yeah, Jesus did not call you to like follow the letter of some law that some guy wrote down because Mm -hmm. the person that asked him, what do I got to do to get into heaven? Essentially was an expert of the Jewish law. He knew it backwards and forwards, arguably better than Jesus. Probably not, but whatever, you know, like he knew he was trying to trap Jesus into saying something that was against the Jewish law. Yeah. 
And Jesus said, essentially, fuck your law. All you got to do is love. And that's it. Like, that's the whole fucking point. Yeah. Like, that's the thing is, like, the rules and creeds of Jesus were, like, nah. Like, he didn't get angry when someone, like, had premarital sex or, like, you know, like, went to a drag bar. Like, nah, that's not what Jesus would get mad about. Mm -hmm. Jesus would get mad when someone used the doctrine that they were taught as a way to oppress another person. Yeah. And, like, I don't know how in the world this is, like, so misconstrued. You know, like, I'm like, how in the world can you get that from this? Yeah. Like, I yeah. Don't know. People who claim, you know, the whole, like, like, we love you, but we're still excluding this group. Like, we love sex workers, but we won't do anything to help them. We mm-hmm. love gay people, but we won't condone homosexuality and we won't let homosexuals lead you know um we love women but we won't let women lead Mm. which again like i compare that and i've called it this for a while is i'm like this is like judas's kiss yeah it is a love that you say you exemplify the action of love with betrayal and poison dripping from your lips Mm. Mm -hmm. i like that I love and, that. Yeah. Um, I'm a poet, by the way, and a lot of my poetry is like oh, about hell this. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And so, you know, you have so many of these issues, and it's just like you talk about how to change it, which again, like build when you build your pews out of the tables, Jesus flipped. Like, how how much can we redeem here? Right, like, right, right. We gotta we gotta rebuild everything. Like I'm I'm kind of with you that sometimes burning stuff down you know, is the right way to go. Um, sometimes that's just how it is. But I think, you know, instead we could destroy the wedges that they created, mm. you know, but I think without the idea of self-worth and self-love, um, which is stuff that counselors are trying to teach people is inherent worth and everything like that. Like, um, and I think about like how I've taken classes on how like to de-escalate like suicide ideation and everything like that. And that is very intense, you know, yeah. and it's definitely like far from what we're at, but like at the same time, like one of the things is like reassuring the person that they're worth being here. It's a, it's worth being here, mm. you know? And I don't think churches like that narrative very much because here's the thing is if they had that narrative, I guilt works as a way of keeping people in way more than empowerment does. Yep. They just want the money. Yeah. I just want the money. Yeah. And I love it when churches like the church I was talking about who won't let me lead because I'm openly queer, like whatever. Anyways, um, like they claim to be a liberation theology based uh, for who liberation for who uh, liberation for who yeah. white cis het men mm-hmm. because like excuse us friend. like i saw people with trump shirts on last winter if we're on a that's not liberation no <laughs> and they're like well we want to be welcoming to everyone and i'm like i don't think you understand how that works because these people they're already welcome in society they're just all yeah. like, if you want to be welcoming to everyone you know like that's the thing is like the thing I love about my church in particular again it's tiny it's like 20 people but we're like yo sex workers come on in like queer people come on in like you know and like so we have quite a few queer people who you know and it's great it's such a fun community and our pastor is actually an ex-roman catholic priest oh my lanta he really knows what he's talking about yeah who is gay and he was married hell yeah so like it's and yeah he's great um i love I men who give up the cloth <laughs> so attractive to me and maybe because i watched fleabag and he didn't leave the cloth but whatever <laughs> did you watch the show fleabag i have not no oh highly recommend it but anyways <laughs> but again <laughs> <laughs> so you know you're dealing with these people who are like well everyone is welcome here and we believe that but the reason everyone is welcome here is because these ideas that aren't welcoming to people are not welcome here 
damage to the and you know it becomes this paradox of tolerance you know where it's like well i'm going to tolerate everybody and the thing is is like people are like well these people are nice so it's worth you know the thing is is like don't we all know there's a lot of people out there that are nice like but that doesn't ended up niceness does not because of dictate morality yeah allegedly you know but it was yeah hard. and but i mean i feel like in that situation if someone were to walk into our little progressive gay ass church here in orange county california with a trim shirt on i yes yeah, as i am the pastor of the church likes to say that i'm the boss uh, and quite frankly i am so any like conflict it's like where's Josie because Josie loves conflict I feel like I would walk up to this person who would presumably be a man because men wear ugly t-shirts more than women I would be like ah you know this is gonna make a lot of people uncomfortable here today yes you know and just like over and over again and of course they came back you know that church that shirt is gonna make a lot of people really uncomfortable here today and I've never identified with something is that what we're trying to do at church on a Sunday yeah just like every week until they stop coming or change their fucking mind and then i would make sure that in the announcement that i give or the sermon that the pastor gives or that i give to just be like you know you're supposed to love your neighbor and i'll just be really passive aggressive about it look at him because everybody would know yeah that's just me that's my own little diabolical thoughts yeah in christianity talk about a place for passive aggressiveness i was like for example, with like modesty and purity go, culture. Oh, are you, are you sure you want to wear that pink top? It's a little trivial. <laughs> yeah. Ooh. Yep. And every time I'd be like, yep. So that yep. Is how I do. I mm-hmm. At limestone. I just remember in high school when like wow. I was told Amazing. specifically, like, it, it really uh, has been a heck of a to hell of wear, a wear like a t shirt over my swimsuit to protect my brothers yeah. in Christ from stumbling. It's been a hell of a Yeah. And it's like, they're not allowed to touch me i'm not gonna let so them touch me i'm not gonna is, if they're looking you know, at me too long be like what the fuck are you looking at i think there's i mean so that's much just hurt little, hurt little aggressive josie but still like that should be the mentality right the language really should not be i think a lot of it's your fault it should be like hey little dickwad stop staring at women's mm-hmm. chests that's weird yeah and like i'm like you know you could take a chapter out of my lesbian ass book because how many times have i been in locker room how many times Backstage they, with naked women. All, so many times. How many times have I looked? Just Never. How, because I know it's not the time or place. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. And why is it that like they can women who are straight mm-hmm. or gay generally have no At problem point, interacting with women who are straight that, or gay? Yes. But it's the men who have a, like. Don't look at my dick. It's because men are conditioned and allowed to be this way. Mm-hmm. And the church has a huge part <laughs> no in matter how good those yep. people because are, it enables them from the time that they're little to be like, oh, well, so boys we will be boys and everything like that, you know, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. or the fact that like, even when I was 12, well, I was supposed to, to have a church. No, it's mm-hmm. not. And that like it inherently means like, and so is my body I, something I, I, I should actually argue with that. I think it is supposed to Because that's what it sounds like. Okay. People think that deconstruction is exactly they're telling Zero to 100 or 100 to zero. But when you say that to them, they're like, no, no, that's not what we're Looking saying. It's like it. asking but a question. But the it, language it, dictates whatever that. happens that's what afterwards. That's what the language is, is saying. Afterward. Yeah. It, and you quite know, frankly, the, the like, pastors are the most anti-deconstruction in my head. Oh, so you don't want to be discussion I had with don't want to be held accountable for your shitty theology a couple weeks ago where he was saying how like without Jesus and the Bible morality wouldn't exist so genocide would be okay. And I'm like, I mean, I think a lot of atheists were against the Holocaust. <laughs> yeah, so like I made just, that just, argument, I'm out, I'm out and that he was like, no, no, that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying we that have an idea that that Jesus, bad things are never supposed to happen in the church. Like morality right. would not church, exist. So and I'm like, so what you're perfect. saying mm-hmm. is that and like atheists what I mean that. and like yeah, agnostics yeah. and like non-Christians are not moral, and that they're is necessary. And also historically, you were so wrong, my dude. There was so much morality before. It's like seeming what the to fuck? tend to happen when people are <laughs> like growing up, growing up. Like how many ancient cultures were like, oh, yeah, we probably shouldn't eat each other. Or, on oh, yeah, I guess killing each other is kind of sad. <laughs> you have to, like, make like, it for yourself. Otherwise, like, there's no personal like, relationship. Like, oh, it's the just crusades. tradition. Mm-hmm. No. 
Well, thank, Native thank Americans. you for bringing that up. Well, oh, you're starving we'll right now? Up. That's fine, because you're poor, it, no, and not my problem. Actually get it oh, written. we're going to go on a mission trip. and <laughs> like, Oh, my God. Mission um, trips are another thing as far as language goes. I will like, push back on my dad. Because I'm like, you yeah. know what doesn't and, fill you know, someone's stomach? some things stomach? I've realized about my father. Preaching that the gospel. Amen. Hallelujah. I'm like, you really want to things? Like, how about oh, you want to talk about language shift? How about calling you know, them uh, third world the developing countries? Like you call that, them overexploited because that's what they are. Sometimes like references to those people are things like that. I'm pretty sure that I've said this on the podcast before, but I'm going to say it again because it's my favorite fact. I love when people say third world like countries because I'm like, oh, you don't know what that means. That's not third how world we countries talk about are this. countries that were you know, uh, got, not involved in those people war. That's that they were not on either side of the first or the second. Like, has nothing to do with socioeconomic status or global. Nothing. But, uh, so I just love it. Uh, the developing you know, countries, yeah. yeah. It's uh I would be I can't tell you how many people are like, Ugh, Mexico's a third world country. World. And I'm like, bitch, just because we have drugs doesn't mean that we're <laughs> don't so have skyscrapers. I'm like, oh, oh that's another honey, thing too. Is how they are not know, teaching your child like race theory. They're teaching them about the world. I think one of the biggest they're not yes. going to law school to make as far currently. as it comes to helping <laughs> and still refugees, i can't get anyone to adequately define none of these people who are anti-crt which both amuses me and infuriates uh, you know like right. i think it is on top of that mm-hmm. You know, you know, don't you love I the think that is another language shift oh, I that love you it. in order for the evangelical church right, to what, somewhat you redeem that? itself. Somebody, I know, especially um, down here in the Southwest, where they're like, "Oh, they're illegal," and I'm like, "Bitch!" So you stealing my land was illegal. The, the I don't see you talking day, about that shit. This is my land, about, bitch. You know, <laughs> this is Mexico. And that's the thing is like, as far as like, then I started getting recommendations for people who have podcasted about what woke means. I'm like, mm. oh my automatically gosh. Think it, Am I going to put myself through this? Am I going to torture my stuff? Criminalizing my people. Yeah, immediately. We're, we're criminalizing people just this like if you're like prostitution is illegal. I haven't brought myself to do it yet. I, yeah. I need more positivity mm-hmm. in my life than that. And so then we're like, <laughs> yeah. well, illegal. Well, because people you know, complain like, oh, all and it's like, no, they're just not canceling documents. Like, yeah. And I think that is one of the biggest language because they're kind of being regressive at the moment. Regressive, I like that. Document. And can we laugh yep. at the idea of anybody in the Christian are, world like, talking about cancel speaking, culture? Like, depending mm-hmm. on what you want to call documentation. Mm-hmm. Didn't we invent that? Like, I was I canceled have a PhD one a million times. Jesus <laughs> documented how many Didn't we create that whole yep. thing with cancel mm-hmm. culture? Oh, don't yep. go to Disney One's World the because about they're promoting and the, church that really the gays. You that know, the, no Harry Potter. My own experience. Oh, yeah. Is that anti poke Pokemon. I oh feel like yeah, a lot that was of the that change is going to happen. Little demons, yep. it's not going to happen. No Pokemon oh, okay. for us okay. unless we are. <sighs> I remember the whole Harry Potter debate. Oh yeah, yeah. and um, you know, <laughs> like people, the language of like aggression and, and I'm like, of, look, if my son uh, will read anything, fighting I will has let him up and very effective. No question about it. Most of you are letting your have kid it watch Cinderella. People who are referring to my daddy as an illegal. Like, thank you very much. And all kinds of lizards and you know, all the talking animals. Like, what do you think? What the fuck are you thinking? This all is it's all magic. Have that understanding, but you're right. No, they weren't doing that because they were anti-Disney. You know, Disney was the devil. I think that's when they were supporting these homosexual communities really need to pull their damn weight. It's a great agenda to support. Let me tell you. And like, I'm like, if you claim to be a moderate, like, for example, it's kind of like they all got together. All the gay people in the world got together, and all the LGBTQ people got together and decided this is how we can take over the world. But just like five-point plan, it's all in place. All in place. <laughs> and that's kind of you know, like people talk about the liberal agenda. And I'm like, you can't get, this whole you know, of like turning the other get 10 Democrats in a room and they can't agree on what to order for like, pizza, oh, you know, much less. I'm like, it's and not they're, your quite frankly, they're not all that liberal. So. What to do. Well, that may be another subject for another day. 
You just need going to turn her cheek. It's but not what we're really trying to do. To and, and, and also, how many times can I turn it before they start falling off? God, please. I can't. I um. Um. I find myself in that position of being an ally, which is actually really funny because I am in a straight presenting relationship. or whatever. We have sports I've never even heard of, and it is frustrating because they feel. I hate that they feel check out my instagram i have put up a video of her doing her routine with her team and i said i i was gonna do this but she said she probably and like the sunlight is gleaming off my skin yeah that shit looks like torture oh my gosh she's unbelievable the balance and the strength and an unbelievable person as well just a it's okay to like just you know sometimes you see in students and you're thinking god i wish i could be that way uh, <laughs> as gracious and and loving and so like she just unofficially really a person who digs deeply into her faith but like at the same time um, she didn't decide what she does based on what anybody else says that she's that done that is your grandma you know, like, that's your family yep amen and everyone knows like because she was like so these kids you know we pulled them together and everything like that Last year, we had 23 in our group, and we went on a big retreat, and it was really good. And what I'm seeing is that they're just really struggling with life right now. Are we in a pandemic or are we out of the pandemic? Do we put our mask on? Do we not put our mask on? Also, quite frankly, Mexico is You know, we've been on Zoom and social media for the last two years. How do we talk to other people? I mean, just like basically what I've had to learn as a minister, because when I did youth work, you know, youth ministers Give me enough time, and I can make Russia... Uh, America's you know, fault too. They, Don't they, even they, <laughs> together. They plan the trip. They, it's going to be all of them. And I started realizing these are college students. Shortly, you know? This is a leadership program. Oh my gosh! I feel they like don't need me to babysit them. But um, yeah. You'll have to they come can back do on. This. We'll have to find. And so like, I started some... saying, "All right, y'all plan the calendar for next year." That'd be fun. You know, <laughs> and, uh, uh, you know, or, or y'all tell me what you know. Don't don't wait on me to tell you what to do. You guys work on it. But anyways, they're responding in great ways. Charities, etc., etc. I think we're at a point yeah, so where we need follow me more religion classes, not fewer. We need more uh, critical thinking, Instagram, not less. Mm. And whether that's critical race theory or any other kind it. of critical thinking. <laughs> um, and then uh, as far as charities go, um, I am also involved so that's with really Every Voice Coalition, which is uh, with these, these students at, at our university. And um, I hope college campuses. I believe and I hope that other universities are doing the same. Mm. So follow them. Uh, luckily, I haven't had anybody come to me and say, well, stop teaching critical race theory because I can't even define it. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Um, uh, we call that so history where I'm from, okay? Yeah. yeah. And you as a, a person from yeah. a country who has right, suffered right. a little bit because of the United States. Just a touch. You know, maybe a little bit. You can also probably appreciate knowing the actual truth about things. Type deal God. because quite frankly, yeah, Patreon does not. Why like Christians are so averse right, to handling the truth one, is just you can give beyond me. me. That's fine. I drink a lot of coffee. Where in your Bible does you it know. tell you to avoid anyway, all that? Is in the link in our Bible, truth, to avoid soul searching, to avoid uh, self reflection and critical thinking about yourself. Well, I'll tell you. Five stars. Okay, you tell me. The truth. <laughs> this is what I've come to believe and where I've come with my journey of being compassionate to people who are a little bit dumb. I know. God damn it. And Christians. Sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, sorry. Um, <laughs> but that's it, friends. It is said that the truth will set you free. And Jesus loves But freedom, like the concern, freedom is not free. Freedom is not easy. Freedom is not cute. Well said. Freedom is not this, I'm going to have a gun. That's not freedom, right? Freedom is living outside of the boundaries of a box that we have all constructed for ourselves and thinking about others and places and ideas in a completely different way. That is freedom, is being able to open your mind to new possibilities. Christians are not into freedom. Christians want their box. They want their 10-point sermon. They want to go to church on. They want their routines, their schedules, their, I just got to follow these rules and this is what it is. This is what a Christian looks like. So I'm going to just do that. They 
are not interested in freedom. That is really well said. So they're um, not that interested in truth. <laughs> yeah, that is really well said. And, and I think we go back to the scripture that says, to whom much is given, much is expected. Mm -hmm. And you really can't apply that to what you're saying because great freedom brings great responsibility. Yep. We want to be able to do whatever we want to do, but we don't want to be responsible for it. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and that's what we call freedom. Well, you're right. It's not actually freedom. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, if you're going to truly have freedom, it can't just be freedom for some or freedom for one. It's got to be freedom for everyone. Which is what Jesus it's called hard. us to. That's right. That's right. It's really hard. And your discussion of, of and all right, so mission trip culture. Let's talk mission trip ah, culture for a minute. Yes. <laughs> so one of, one of my hardships has been, you know, I never was into probably the most embarrassing thing I could tell you about my youth ministry career is that I took my students to a Carmen concert in 1993. Uh, Amazing. Have I regretted that for the rest of my, you know, I'm sitting there thinking, why do I have them here? I don't buy a damn thing. This guy's saying. <laughs> yes. yes, yes. Oh. But you know, that's what you were supposed to do. Right. In nineties evangelical culture. Yeah. Nineties yeah, so, yeah. youth group culture. I'm proud to say I never did True Love Waits with my youth groups. Bless you. Never did it. And and uh, I saw that and was like, yeah, I'm not doing that crap. <laughs> Hell yes. <laughs> and, uh, and and never really caught a lot of flack for it either. I mean, never, never got a lot of grief for it. I did do See You at the Poll because I got pressured by parents. And that mm. was kind of, again, a little embarrassing. But... <laughs> It's, um, we uh, all have all of our embarrassing things that we did. We all have then. our embarrassing things. So what, what I've realized in the last few years is I didn't do the high pressure sales. Here we go again. High pressure <laughs> evangelical sales pitch. Mm -hmm. But I knew how to push kids buttons. Yeah. I knew how to get them wound up. I knew how to get the tear ducts flowing. And, you know, while it wasn't every Wednesday or every Sunday or whatever, when we went to camp, I knew mm -hmm. how to do that. Mm -hmm. Real mission Ooh. trip knew how to do that. Mm -hmm. And I have really questioned myself and said, why did you do that? Yeah. Why did you feel the need? You know, and it was because, yeah, I liked having kids get saved on my watch. I like doing baptisms and, and, uh, we, we were at a, our first church was a little country church in Eastern North Carolina. And I mean, we baptized in six years, 84 people. Wow. There were fewer than that going to church when we went there, you know, <laughs> and, and, uh, we would have seven, we'd have 175 in worship and 90 at youth group on Sunday nights. Mm -hmm. But it was that cult, you know, and, and I hate to admit it, I got caught up in that cult of personality. Yeah. Um, now, keep in mind, this is a county that only had 7,000 people in it. So you didn't have to have much personality to be the biggest show in town. Yeah. <laughs> okay. We've got to do away with that. That's got to go. We're all, even the, those of us who don't believe in it are vulnerable to it if we're not careful. Yeah. And so, you know, um, do you know what elevation, where was I going with that? I don't really know. Um, <laughs> it's, uh, but, it, you know, we can't let ourselves be drawn into that cultic culture. Yes, which is what megachurches are really into. Hmm. Sure, sure. It, it's not a, you know, and and um, I think as Reza Aslan says, uh, you know, today's cult is tomorrow's religion. So be careful to use the word cult. Um, but I do think that we, we try to buy into this, this cultic idea that this great leader, great person is going to lead us to the promised land. What I've started to tell my students is look, Christianity's hard. Mission trips that make you feel good about yourself are not mission trips. Mm -hmm. They're self-esteem trips. Mm -hmm. They're cultural experiences. Mm -hmm which is fine and has its place, just quit calling it missions. Yep. Uh, quit calling it 
uh, helping the least of these. That's not what you're doing. Yeah, leave the least of us alone. God damn. <laughs> <laughs> leave the world's worst pastor and his cohort, Josie, alone there. Amen. Time for that stuff. <laughs> you know, and um, I don't know if you've ever read Jamie Wright, uh, who called herself the world's worst missionary for mm -hmm. a while. And uh, I asked her permission before I started the world's worst pastor blog. Oh, wow. Uh, but she tells a story about being on these, you know, being overseas for missions and realizing this is a scam. Mm -hmm. This is a multi-billion dollar a year industry. And that's what this has become. Yeah, it's just a little tourist trip, but sure. with some feel good vibes. Sure. The hard work of Christian faith and the hard work of real missions is going to the school every day to mentor or tutor that kid who has no one to help them. Mm -hmm. It is trying to help the person, you know, who's in addiction and caught in that trap to get out of it. Mm -hmm. And that is what we don't want to do. Yep. Because it doesn't bring numbers. We don't get great pictures of us with our little Brown brothers and sisters. Mm. And we don't. And in fact, I have actually forbidden pictures on mission projects from absolutely for as you should. And you can take pictures of each other, mm -hmm. but none of this stuff of, hey, look at all our nice white kids holding these these children from from Africa or South America or wherever. We're from. Yep. No more of that. Uh, let's get serious about doing the hard work that has to be done. Yep. If we can get to that point, then maybe we can make some progress. Yeah. We're not going to be the biggest, baddest, coolest thing in town, but maybe we're not supposed to be anyway. Mm -hmm. So, um, and don't get me started on Christian persecution either. I can go, go for a while on that one. That don't bullshit. get me started. <laughs> persecution. <laughs> I can't say Merry Christmas. Ain't Shut nobody up, saying that you can't say Merry Christmas. Just whatever. Oh, oh yeah. The, the whole, yeah. This well, conversation has been us. great. Wow. Really enjoyed it. Um, pretty cathartic for me, letting me share some things I haven't been able to share to this point. Yeah, so. and I feel like we came up with topics for our next conversation. You'll have to come back when Spencer's here because she's different than me. <laughs> Oh, I, I would definitely love it. Her and her, her new baby adventures and all that oh, kind of stuff. Oh, yeah. She's also yeah. much nicer. <laughs> <laughs> Kinder. I'm not sure we'll get along. <laughs> <laughs> oh, she's a little she's a little spicy, too. Don't worry about it. Yeah, she. I think I think both of y'all have, have some good spice going on there. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and, and I, I really have enjoyed listening to the podcast. So, so, uh, um, and certainly appreciate the opportunity to come on. Anytime. I miss podcasting. I miss it a lot, uh, but I just don't know that I've got the time to go back to it. But if I do, the world's worst pastor podcast is coming to you. Oh, I feel like the world needs that. Hmm. Uh, check out the WWP blog. It's pretty funny. Um, yeah. I haven't posted in a while, but but I'm trying to get some stuff back up there in the next few weeks. So. What else do you have to plug? Um, uh, at Dr. Tom 78 on Twitter or at worst pastor on Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> So if you want the serious side, go to at Dr. Tom 78, that's worthless sports talk and, and like more academic and, and staid conversation at worst pastor. That's where you get the hard stuff, man. Yeah. That's where the snark and sarcasm come alive. Oh, and I'm here for it. <laughs> I love it. Well, again, come back whenever you want. We came up with many a topic during oh, this yeah. we could, time. And, yeah. and if you have something you you want me to to wax like I'm an actual academic about, I can do that. Ooh. I can pretend I'm a great. I love it. Me too. Academia, <laughs> academia, whatever. <laughs> yeah, I, can, I can sound like I know what I'm talking about, whether I do or not. So I'm oh. a typical white man. I mean, am I right? I, well, that's true. <laughs> that's true. I hate to say it, but you're not, you're not wrong. You are not wrong. I know. I live with one now and it's very funny where I'm like, mm, are you mansplaining this to me right now, white man? <laughs> All right, Josie, one last thing. And this yes. is pretty funny. You, I got to tell you this one because, because my daughter and, and all right. So, I remember people used to ask me to teach parenting classes. If they saw my kids now, they would never ask me. To 
No, and, and I don't believe there's any formula for how to do this. Absolutely so, not. The guessing game. So my daughter is a little off the rails religiously. Uh, during the pandemic, she was burning something in her room, and we thought she was smoking pot. And she was like, uh, Dad, that's sage. I'm burning sage to cleanse the room and uh. all this stuff. So and so now that's our joke. Hey, Abby, you got any sage burning up there? You know, <laughs> and um, uh, great, great kid. Um, and, and you know, she does the whole I'm non-binary, and mm-hmm. which, you know, her old dad doesn't totally understand. Um, but uh, she is thirteen percent Mexican. Oh, hell yeah. We've done the DNA thing. Oh, yeah. My wife's got, you need to have my wife on. She can tell you that whole story. And you would really love that one. Um, But her her boyfriend said something about the cat being a beaner. No, he did not know that was a slur. He had no idea that was a slur. He just did it. And so she put some video up on TikTok about her boyfriend saying this, and and like he didn't realize she was 13% Mexican. It got like a million views, and we're like, what? (laughs) I love the internet. (laughs) Poor guy. I can't believe this thing is free. You know, I mean, (laughs) so her talking about her boyfriend calling her a beater and just dragged him through the TikToks. Yeah. All because of that. So, so anyway, um, thank you much for having me on. I'll leave you with that little humorous story there. (laughs) I love it. Oh, friends. We have fun here on this podcast. If you like this podcast, rate, review, subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. I um, copied that from a couple of the podcasters, so I hope I got it right. Uh, <laughs> you can follow us on Speaking in Church, where I'm doing the whole real thing on Instagram. Um, listen, don't judge me too hard, okay? This shit is hard. I'm not young. I'm not a spring chicken, okay? I'm old. I'm a grandmother. <sighs> And what else? Oh, you can follow me on Josie Takes the World, and you can follow Spencer and the Boo Boo at Spence Rose. Um, I think that's it. Well, we've had a lot of woke conversations today. <laughs> so as I always say, stay woke or get woke. And as Spencer always says, Jesus loves you. This has been an Irreverent Media Podcast.